Hey, Keith, did you hear? They've uh, pretty much got a script for Indiana Jones 5. David Kep says they're pretty much happy with it. Uh, but the thing that we do know is that there will be no Mutt Williams in uh, Indiana Jones 5. No Shia LaBeouf. That means new sidekick. Well, you know what that means? That means Sala is going to finally make a comeback in an Indiana Jones movie. No, no. Sorry, not Sala. I've got my money on short round. The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. They bought their tickets. They knew what they were getting into. I say, let them crash. Geek Counter Geek with Keith Conrad and Elliot Serrato. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. I'd just like to say, get a life. Hey, lady, you call him Dr. Jones. Geek Counter Geek number 98. I'm Keith Conrad, at Keith R. Conrad on Twitter. Joined, as always, by uh, Elliot Serrano, at Elliot Serrano on Twitter. Uh, you can follow the show at Geek Counter Geek and uh, Facebook.com slash Geek Counter Geek. And uh, Elliot, I, I think a, a huge debate in the pop culture community has been solved uh, and, and, and finished once and for all. Yeah, I mean, we even debated it here on Geek Counter Geek, like really early on in our uh, in our tenure, right? I mean, I want to say it was like in maybe in the 30s or the 40s, somewhere as far as what what episode we were in. Um, and with this uh, bit of news that's that's hit the interwebs, I never ever want to hear someone tell me that Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. No, I mean, the science is settled. It's it's done because uh, they're actually coming out with a Die Hard Christmas book. Yeah, the illustrated Die Hard Christmas book, you know, done in the style of The Night Before Christmas. And um, it was uh, broken on comicbook.com where they showed even some of the artwork in the pages. It looks really good. It looks like one of the little golden books. I'm telling you, I'm buying me. I'm buying a whole bunch of copies, giving them away to all my friends and their children. Hopefully... They've kept all the language from the Die Hard movies in this one because I, I think it's early, it's it's important to start young children with their colorful language. Uh, ab- absolutely. I mean, uh, <laughs> how, how could you? If you're a parent, how could you not want that? Really? And then you'll have you know every time your kid wants to go to the bathroom, they'll say yippee ki yay, and you know, and uh, that, but that when they're at the Christmas, you know, at the 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 the, the preschool. Christmas cookies. Welcome to the party, pal. You know, all that stuff. And be ready. Yeah, I, that's going to change holiday shopping for... Well, it's going to make holiday shopping this year a lot easier. A heck of a lot easier. Yeah. Because who wouldn't want that? So, I mean, again, I felt that folks that who would refuse the idea of a Die Hard being a Christmas movie... You know, I mean, you had people out there. You got your flat earthers, okay, which, which by the way, listen. for some reason, flat earthers keep popping up in uh, my social media. <laughs> These people are trolls, right? They, it's an I, act, I, right? It's got to be an act. I don't know. See, because I've actually had some flat earthers message me directly and start arguing with me over the science of it and saying, well, you know, uh, this is this is legit. I am not making this up, folks. This is not a bit. 
I am not exaggerating for the purposes of comedy. This actually happened to me. I had someone who's a flat earther message me on Facebook, start going on and on about how they know that the earth is flat, giving me all the bits. And I, I countered again with science. But then they said, well, I'll only know if I can go to Antarctica. And I know they won't let you go to Antarctica because that's where the wall is. You know, that's why they don't let you go to Antarctica, to which I responded, oh, you can go to Antarctica. In fact, I know some folks who've been to Antarctica. You can take a cruise to Antarctica. So, so wait a minute. The, the, <laughs> that's where he thinks the wall is. So he that's believes where the wall we're, is. We're, we're, in, uh, we're in Game of Thrones. We're in Westeros. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Yeah. Like if, you go to the, if you go to Antarctica, that's where the wall is, where you go over the edge. You know, apparently, like the the world is so flat, and then when you get to the edge, there's this wall that goes up, and I guess that's what holds in all the water and stuff. You uh, well, I did see somebody uh, had actually a couple of people had shared a a uh, uh, a meme that that showed uh, you know a flat Earth, and it said uh, you know the way you know that the Earth isn't flat is uh, cats would have pushed everything off of it by now. <laughs> I know. I would, I would just bring a bunch of cats to Antarctica and see if they can push things off. But so, again, this is how adamant that that they are in their person, in, in this belief, even though there's all this evidence to the contrary. So, boom, die hard. Your Christmas movie. I got the science to prove it. <laughs> Finally, there's one uh, conspiracy theory that's just dead. Now, now here's here's my thing. So let's just say that the. Uh, that uh, that they're right. The Earth is flat. Like, what reason would anybody have to claim that the Earth is round if it's flat? Like, w like what what benefit I, would I, that be to anybody? Because it would it would open your eyes, man, to the conspiracy, to the fact that you've been lied to your entire life, man. You know, I even I even came out and said it. I go, okay. So in other words, because they're saying, you know. Apparently, if the Earth is flat, it proves that there's God. Okay, so here's here's my thing. I, I don't get Why that does, either. Like I where, where in the either. Bible is that mentioned? Right, right. Like they quoted some scripture at me. I go that there's nothing there that says anything about the Earth being flat. And I'm going, the the you know the Earth can be round and there still be God. You know, I mean, it's not like God went. Ah, I don't like round things. Must be flat. You know. <laughs> I just don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get this 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 tenacious uh, this desire to to just just have to think that the Earth is flat. That is like, you know, I, I it, it, it see the problem is I don't want to insult someone's intelligence. It's just that when they come to me and try to tell me that they are insulting my intelligence. Their intelligence is so insulting it insults mine. And. and Here's the thing that I really don't get. Why are they arguing with you over this? Like, it's not like you have a show on, you know, like you're Bill Nye the Science Guy and you have a show on Netflix that's, you know, <laughs> trying to spread misinformation. You're, you're just, uh, you know, you're a, a above average uh, person, obviously, but, but, but still, there's no specific reason why anybody would pick a fight with you over whether or not the Earth is, is flat. I, I don't know. I'm I'm like a D level geek celebrity. I think like really like my cat is more of a bigger celebrity than I am. 
So I'm like below that. So Your cat think, is a bigger celebrity than most people at this point. Well, right. Yeah. <laughs> right. So they're like, well, Neil deGrasse Tyson and Bill Nye, you know, those guys are too big for me to go after. So I'm going to go after this other guy, you know, who posts the flat memes on his site. And I'm going to tell him how wrong he is because he's wrong. <laughs> and then I'll be like, all right. <laughs> You, you got Anywho, me. You got me. The earth is uh, flat. The, yeah, I know. So. So, so uh, with I, the I, uh, with the uh, the diehard Christmas book, that's uh, one way that uh, children in the future, their uh, their 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 childhoods will be uh, greatly enhanced uh, by the presence of this new uh, Christmas tome. Uh, but let, let's get to the way uh, childhoods are constantly being ruined. The Star Wars franchise. <laughs> uh, so, oh, something wow. strange is happening over there at Disney, uh, Elliot. Colin uh, Trevorrow is out as the director of Star Wars Episode Nine. It, it's the usual thing, you know. Their visions conflicted. Uh, they wish him the best in his future endeavors. You know, stuff like that. It, it it sounded like you know earlier in the summer there were some rumors that uh, maybe all wasn't uh, wasn't going as planned, but. Um, you know, you think just from an optics standpoint, considering the fact that they had to fire the uh, the Han Solo directors and uh, and bring an Opie that, uh, you know, they would try to make this work, but uh, apparently not. It's it's it is kind of interesting to me. Well, well, I mean, for folks who aren't familiar with the timeline, of course, um, you know, they they wanted J.J. Uh, Abrams to do the four, you know, the first one. J.J. Abrams said no. They considered some other folks for a bit, but then they were like, no, 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 we need J.J. Abrams to do this because if we're going to relaunch Star Wars, uh, we need to do it right. And it's worth pointing um, out that that although, uh, you know, J.J. Abrams had said, you know, when he started doing Star Trek, he said, you know, I'm more of a, of, I was always more Star of a Star Wars, Wars guy. Mm-hmm. And so you'd think that, uh, that, like, that would be a no-brainer. Like, J.J. Abrams would be on board with it in a second. But uh, he actually, when when he got into Star Trek with Paramount, like he was going to be, you know, he envisioned that as being like a Marvel Universe sort of thing. And, uh, you know, one of the reasons that he decided to go over to Star Wars was actually because with the TV and movie rights, you know, split between Paramount and CBS, like you you just could that wasn't manageable with with Star Trek. So he decided, you know what, maybe, maybe Star Wars is looking pretty good now. Yeah. Then he got over to Star Wars and he realized how it, it, working on that can pretty much drain your life, you know, for for how many years you're working on it. And and really now it's such a breakneck pace. I remember when when you had your classic trilogy, um, when Lucas was working on them, you had anywhere two to two and a half years to to get those movies going and, and finish them. And then with the prequels, he knocked it down to like two years and then with um with um this current series they're you know the the saga movies as they say you know episode seven eight and nine they're only every other year they're staggered a year apart um and that unlike you know again the classic trilogy and then they're also dropping other things in between them so you you constantly have movies in production in production star wars in production in production because they want to have a star wars movie every year and i, and I thought the and, idea was that he was sort of like overseeing 
everything. So he is yeah. involved with the you know the the spinoff movies and the mm-hmm. and the saga movies. No matter what you know, no matter what his credit is, he he actually is working on all of them. Yeah, well, that was supposed to be the idea. I think then he realized it was just to be a bit much. And then he still had, you know, he wanted to do his television stuff, his own independent stuff. And yeah, and Disney really wanted, um, a, they wanted a certain aesthetic or a certain thing with it. I mean, um, uh, to me, that's what you saw. Everyone talks so much about, um, about uh, the Force Awakens, and they felt that it was a pastiche of all the old stuff. There was nothing really original. That it was just there was a, it was just J.J. Abrams like doing uh, remaking A New Hope all over again, which which I can see people saying that, and yet they don't have any of those criticisms for Rogue One, which to me commits all the same sins that. Um, that uh, people accuse the Force Awakens of. I mean, you know, old characters from the Force, you know, from the New Hope show up. Same bit, same over. If anything, Rogue One felt to me, I, you know, where I really felt the quote-unquote Disney touch in Rogue One is in that space battle at the end. Because as I'm watching it, I'm going, oh, this looks like Star Tours. And not yeah. only does it look like Star Tours, but they're bringing back like the same people, you know, through the yeah. magic of uh, of space age. Uh, filmmaking technology you're right. you're, see, you're seeing them like a week before they uh, before you saw them in a week in a new hope in a new hope and and you'll be seeing like those same characters whatever in the disney ride so you know that that to me i'm there going okay i can see where you know you can see where disney is coming in and going ah oh, this is what we want this is what we need i mean rogue one had a whole bunch of reshoots we all know that and the, the reports are that Rogue One was a different movie, you know, uh, than what was originally cut. So fine. You know, and, and I, as I'm watching the movie, I'm going, no, this feels like Call of Duty meets Rogue meets Star Tours. <laughs> fine. You know, so great. So then you're going, OK, so Gareth Edwards, though, he keeps his you know, di- director's credit, even though Tony Gilroy came in and rewrote a bunch of the script and did re- a lot of reshoots. Fine. Then you have um, the guys who worked on the Han Solo movie and they're, you know, how many weeks left in production, they get booted. And then Ron Howard gets brought in to do a whole bunch of things. And uh, apparently he's doing a lot of reshoots. Okay, fine. Well, I, you know, I could see that just because, you know, he's a, he's a, a different director so like right, right. I, I don't think that'll be news if there's you know a, a ton of reshoot, reshoots with that one so you're thinking okay so the Disney folks are going we had these issues with these guys we had these issues with these guys oh boy we're already having script issues with Trevorrow maybe we'd have better just cut our losses now because you know I, if I remember correctly they were thinking what they were what, that was what happened with the um, the Han Solo film where they thought, okay, maybe, you know, okay, we're having some issues here, but once we get into production, we'll work it out, you know, we'll do this and then and that, da da da. And yet, and, and it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. You got deeper and deeper into production. They're like, oh, no, this isn't going to happen, you know, so fine, boom. The, they, they decide, okay, now we're seeing a whole lot of similar things going on with Trevor. Because also, too, they brought in another screenwriter to polish, to work on Trevor's script. So it was obvious they were having issues even then. And um, I think, I mean, you look at what 
Colin Trevorrow did with the Jurassic World, right? It was his homage, you know, it was his picking up the Spielberg mantle and kind of like redoing um, Jurassic Park in a, in, a, in a modern sense. But when you look at the movie, there's not a whole lot of original thought in it. I mean, you know, there are a couple new things and a couple clever bits here and there. But by the time you get to the end of Jurassic World, it turns into it turns into Godzilla. Well, and, and, and the funny thing is, so, uh, you know, the, uh, the the T-Rex saves the day at the end, just like in uh, in the original Jurassic Park. And, you know, sort of a, an Easter egg that's actually supposed to be the same T-Rex. Yes. Although that if you watch Jurassic Park three. That the T-Rex that's killed in Jurassic Park 3 was supposed to be the T-Rex for Jurassic Park 1. And I, th- I believe before uh, it came out, they, they said at the very least they were ignoring Jurassic Park 3. Right. Which, yeah. and Jurassic Park, I actually like Jurassic Park 3 more than I did 2, which is weird. Well, not weird. but That just, is weird. Yeah. So anyway, so you can tell that they were, you know, Disney probably thought, okay, this guy's got to bring it home. He's going to conclude episode nine. He's got to give us the big ending, the big finish. And they're like, oh, it's not working. It's like, oh, what? What? Wait, Ewoks are making the save? What? (laughs) (laughs) So, so, I mean, I don't know. I can can see kind of both sides of it. Um, It was an interesting thing because with all this going on, Ryan Johnson even came out and said, he talked about how what a great experience it was working on episode eight and how they pretty much let him do whatever he wanted. And, you know, he didn't feel any, any creative interference going on with, um, with, um, Disney. You know, <laughs> if you just happen to need somebody to direct another star Wars movie, I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm, yeah. I'm here. My phone number hasn't changed. Yeah. And it's funny too, because I thought he was going to do, um, eight and nine. If I remember early reports, they were saying, he was going to uh, I thought he was going to finish it off. He was going to do eight and nine. And then he said, no, that's too much. But he was going to do he was going to he wrote he was going to write and direct episode eight and then write the script to episode nine. But then Trevor was going to direct. And then but then even that got thrown out. And, and this is the thing that gets me. Ryan Johnson said that there's no like it's not like they're going, hey, this is what you need to do. You know, it's not like they have like the whole thing mapped out and say, Hey, you know, this is what's supposed to happen in the story. This is what you're supposed to aim for. This is where it's supposed to be. They're just telling him, okay, what's going to happen? You know, what happens in this movie? And they let him do that. And I'm like, holy smokes. Are you serious? We don't even, even George Lucas knew how the, the prequel trilogy was going to end. He knew it. The way he's talking, it's like, they don't know how the Skywalker saga was supposed to end. Like, that that's uh, that's worrisome. Yeah, not you know. So when he said that, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but it made me feel like when I learned that Brian Fuller was kicked off of Discovery, <laughs> I don't think do it anymore. I was like, oh no. Speaking of no. which, uh, Discovery uh, launches in uh, in a couple weeks, so we'll see how that does. Let's see how that does, but I don't know. I am not feeling it. I am just not feeling it. So yeah, well, I so now the the whole thing with um uh, with Star Wars is they're saying hey, okay, you 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 kick Trevor off. Finally, time let's have a female director bring this one home. Let's have a finally have a female director work on a Star Wars movie. 
And I'm like, hey, get Patty Jenkins. You know, she's already she's already directed one blockbuster. Bring her in. Let her do this one. Uh, different. Well, <laughs> different universe, literally. Uh, yeah, but you 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 lost Joss Whedon from the Marvel Disney fold over to DC. Bring Patty Jenkins over. And, uh, well, that would be a good tit for tat. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Uh, or if not Patty Jenkins, then Dave Filoni, who's been working on Star Wars Rebels, and he worked on the Clone, Clone Wars for years. He is a, a Lucas protege. You know, he knows he knows the legacy. He knows the, the, the mythos. He knows it inside and out. You know, I think he should get a shot at it. You know, let, let him do a Star Wars movie. Get him out of the animation ranks, get him into the live action ranks and, and you and, know, kind of like oh, and bring it home. And, and if it's an extra selling point to the folks at uh, at Lucasfilm, uh, that means you don't have to add somebody to payroll. He's already there. He's already there. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know if that's a concern or not. Maybe it isn't. Disney's a big company. Maybe they don't care about that stuff. But, you know, I know for, I know sometimes when you're looking at hiring somebody, that's an issue. So, you know. <laughs> It, it, it wouldn't be for HR, them. HR's already done the background check. It, it, exactly. <laughs> um, so, so, you know, I, I, just to quote somebody, I wish I could, I knew who, who I could tw- uh, credit this on Twitter, but someone very clever beat me to it. They said it on Twitter. You know, in the future, everyone will have directed a Star Wars movie for, or been a Star Wars movie director for 15 minutes. So, <laughs> I, I think, uh, I think Ron Howard is, uh, is very quietly pulling a Frank Underwood and he's trying to maneuver so that he just directs all the Star Wars movies. Like they all suddenly have problems mid production and they need Ron Howard to step in and, and save the day. I think that's what's happening here. Well, I, I'm not know. being taken in Opie. I, I get what you're doing. <laughs> the, you, you know, it, it, it makes you, sort of pine for the days when uh, you'd, you'd see like a news story saying, hey, they're making a new Star Wars movie. And then you'd get a release date and then you'd go see the movie. And that was pretty much the extent of your knowledge of uh, what was going on in these things, rather than actually like following everything from, uh, you know, every every single uh, thing that happens every day in, in production, no matter how, how tiny and, you know. Maybe we just have too much information, Elliot. Well, remember that back in the day, you only got it through variety, and now you got this damn thing called the internet. Yeah, uh, but but you know, if you wanna if you wanna cut yourself off from the rest of the world, uh, you know, listening to a podcast from the Radio Misfits Network uh, is a good way to go. And you know, they don't sound any better than they do on those headphones from Tweaked Audio. Tweaked Audio, where you can uh, get. Wonderful accessories in different styles. We have mic'd and non-mic'd versions. So let's say you want to uh, just listen to a podcast, listen to MP3s on your on your stereo system, on your phone, on your MP3 player. Um, they're great for that if you want to listen to podcasts. If you are a uh, gamer, you like co-op gaming, mic versions are great for that, as well as uh, answering and talking on phone calls. Uh, You've got uh, different colors, different accessories. Here's the great part, and this is the best part. If you enter the code GCG, that's for Geek Counter Geek, at checkout, you will get 
30% off. Is it 30% off? 30% off. Yeah, 30, 30% off. 33? 30, 33%? A third. That's a third for those of you who don't know math. <laughs> third off your total order plus free worldwide shipping. Worldwide shipping. Here's what I say you do. You get some some uh, some he- a set of headsets, uh, a headset from Tweaked Audio, and you order it, and you ask them to ship it to the edge of the world, okay? The edge of the world. Keith Conrad, care it, of the wall. The wall, and they will send it for free. Free, I tell you. <laughs> I can just see it's like a courtroom thing, and uh, they, they call it in the post office. If I wanted to... Uh, uh, to deliver a letter to the edge of the world. Uh, and then they'll, they'll, they'll just look at him like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Wait, the, like, doesn't Santa Claus take him there? I, I, I think so, yeah. <laughs> so uh, l- lots of great uh, new stuff on the Radio Misfits podcast network, including uh, uh, Minutia Men, Rick and Dave, uh, talking Tinder, uh, which is uh, equal parts entertaining and disturbing. Uh, millennial and dad, uh, they, they've actually uh, brought in more millennials and dads. It's like a group effort now. Uh, Sheffield's beer school, uh, Ted sat down with, uh, the head honcho from a great leap brewing. And of course, just this week, something wonderful happened on the radio misfits podcast network. We want the one you call McNeil. Give us McNeil or we will lay waste to your cities with our anti-monument laser. We demand McNeil. You don't have to demand him anymore. Uh, Dan McNeil is on the Radio Misfits podcast network. And I I think at this point he's really just showing off because in the second episode, he talked to uh, Dan Patrick. I mean, that's a pretty good get for uh, for Dan McNeil. Oh, really? I'm going to have to I'm going to have to top him now. I'm, I'm going for Keith Oberman. I'm getting Ooh. old, Keith Oberman. Is Keith yeah. Oberman a, a geeky guy? I mean, I, I know he's uh, he's kind of got some. Well, we know he's an angry guy. Yeah, I mean, he's an angry guy. So I'm pretty sure that you know when you're that angry, you got some nerd in you or something. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Plus, so uh, we've got uh, caffeinated uh, comics and, of course, uh, the dishing bitches. The dishing bitches, who um, we are still in the works of planning our uh, crossover episode maybe we should make that for the hundredth episode that that's not a bad idea yeah, make it the hundredth episode although i'd like to know what the the wrapped in plastic guys said about the twin peaks finale because twin peaks finally it, it f- finished its run on netflix so um i'm, I'm curious as to what they've been saying because you know what it's funny I, i've learned about net about twin peaks you don't get it spoiled on uh social media because I don't think people know how to spoil it. Yeah, they don't like, know they what don't they just know. saw. Yeah. yeah, they're like, what did I just see? You know, because you could spoil it. You could say, yeah, an otter showed up in the in the bar. And that could have been actually what happened. But people would be like, I, I don't understand what you're saying. You know, so. Yeah, that, that's, uh, that, that's actually one of my uh, favorite uh, bits from The Simpsons is uh, Homer watching uh, uh Twin Peaks, and uh, it, it's a guy dancing with a horse, and he goes, "This is amazing. I have no idea what this means." <laughs> so, well, there you go. So, wrapped in plastic. So, tune into them if you want to hear what they've got to say about it. Yep. And um, now, uh, we were off for a week because of uh, Dragon Con. Um, you know, I I went down to Atlanta. 
Uh, I was not one of the people that got hit by a chair. I don't know if oh, you heard about yeah. that, but I heard uh, about that. So, some uh, some uh, some jerk threw a chair off of a ten tenth story balcony. Uh, nobody was uh, nobody was seriously hurt. There, uh, you know, obviously you don't walk that off really easily, but but nobody was seriously hurt, thankfully. Uh, but uh, right before Dragon Con, um, my uh, what my favorite director, uh, James Cameron, he was in the news and. Uh, not, uh, you wouldn't say it was necessarily bad, but it was, certainly wasn't good either. He got into a bit of a tussle with uh, Wonder Woman fans. And uh, basically, he said uh, Wonder Woman isn't a good example of a strong female lead in a movie. And uh, he, he said uh, it, it, that uh, Wonder Woman is an objectified icon, and it's just male Hollywood doing the same old thing. But he he did uh, he did say that he he liked the movie. He just didn't he just didn't like all of the talk about Wonder Woman being a strong uh, female lead character. And you know certainly if you're looking at it like I want more women in lead roles in movies, then yes, that's absolutely you know that that it delivers and and you know I don't think there's any question about that. And I, you know. Cameron even said he likes the movie. It's just he doesn't uh, he doesn't like the the talk about it being a a strong female character because well and just speaking for myself here because that was basically all he said and I think you're basically left to interpret that on your own but uh, for for me I think he makes a good a good point because like you can't show Wonder Woman to uh, to a little girl and and say this is what you should be one day um in the same way that with sarah connor which is the example that that he points to uh and and ripley for that matter uh yes they're in very sci-fi sort of situations but they're people who are just normal people who because of their what's happening around them they step up and and they take the lead so i think that's the point he was trying to make and and that's you know, I, I think that's a, a perfectly valid observation, but really that that's the case with uh, with any superhero movie, because it's not like you can actually aspire to be Superman. Well, you know, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm going to going to pick my words carefully here because uh, I'll be honest, the, the whole Wonder Woman debate is it's probably one of the most hot button topics out there. And if you if you you'll see that, you know, if you level anything that can be conceived as a criticism against the Wonder Woman film, you know, you're going to get you're going to get some hot takes thrown right back at you. You know, and I don't want this to seem like a hot take. Um, I, I will say one um, saying that you, you can't point to Wonder Woman and tell your little girl you can grow up to be Wonder Woman. I, I, I uh, that that's tough because one you do have little girls who love dressing up like Wonder Woman and well and that, that's true I did actually there were yeah. plenty of uh, fully grown women who were dressed as yeah. Wonder Woman at Dragon Con so yes from that perspective you actually can to completely yeah. grow up to be Wonder Woman right to an extent right I mean uh, but you know I don't know his point was you know she's a superhero she's a goddess. She's also the but she was like perfection. I mean, there, what was that bit that they did in the movie where, you know, um, Trevor is trying to put glasses on her 
and Etta, his um, his assistant, goes, well, you're still the most gorgeous woman in the world, you know, wearing glasses. And a lot of folks were taking that as, well, you know, he was trying to make her look less attractive, you know, in the movie where where it's it was really more an homage to the Clark Kent. Um, yeah, that, that's uh, that's how I took it as, uh, you know, yeah. hey, you put these glasses on. Nobody's going to recognize you. <laughs> exactly. Right. So um, so that. But anyway. Um, and then the, the, to me, if I'm going to take any issue, any issue I would have taken with Wonder Woman. Um, uh, I, I, well, back uh, before I get to that, the, the address, you know, again, Cameron's bit. You, you can't grow up to be Wonder Woman. That, let's, let's just be honest. It's plain and simple. You can't grow up to be Wonder Woman. Just like boys cannot grow up to be Superman. Um, you can't even grow up to be Batman, even though you're going to have all these guys who say, well, you can be Batman because Batman's human. I'm going to tell you right now. Batman is not human in it. What, who, who Batman is in the comic books is not attainable. It's just not attainable. Um, if you met Batman in real life and he did all the things that he did and behaved the way he that he did first, you'd think he was a, he was a psychopath. You would think he's uh, overly obsessive. Batman does not have enough hours in the day to do the stuff that he does. Pure and simple. So you can't you can't be Batman. It's it's utterly unattainable. Is it something to strive for and come short of and say, wow, I tried, but I want to be the best that I can because I'm striving for that. Then sure. Then you can do that. You can be that. But then you can also have the issues, you know, like things where, you know, like I'm never going to look like Batman. I'm never going to look like Superman. I'm kind of a chubby guy and I can go to the gym and I can work out, you know, out, you know, six hours a day or whatever. I'm still not going to look that way. So if you tell me that physically that's something I can aspire for, that can that that can create issues, too. You know, you know, girls have body uh, self um, um, self image issues, body issues. Guys have them, too. You know, and we're impressing on kids these days. This is the ideal. This is what you can be. And sometimes you just cannot be that. So knowing that with that point of view, I can see where um, where James Cameron, you know, is kind of coming from. Yeah. Um, but but, that, but and, you know, you could also look at the actress and say, you know, you could be her, you know, in 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 real life. Yeah. Yeah. The actors you could be most certainly. To me, the, the, the problem, you know, that I'd always had with Wonder Woman and at the end and the spoiler, spoiler alert. If you haven't seen the Wonder Woman movie yet, OK, um, don't listen to this spoiler because this is a huge deal. It factors into her finally becoming Wonder Woman. OK, so stop now if you don't want to hear this. OK, so if you're still listening, it's because you want to hear this. OK, I think you've given them enough warning. I've given them enough warning. But Wonder Woman actually fully realizes herself when when Steve Trevor dies okay um, that's when she finally realizes her everything that she can be the goddess of quote unquote the goddess of love but why does it have to be that the the death of a man that she hardly knew that maybe I mean they imply that they had um, intercourse that they had you know that they had sex? You know, it's kind of implied that way. Maybe, maybe not. But they spent the night together. Okay. So after expressing love, why is it that that, the loss of that, you know, is the thing that makes her who she is, that finally makes her realize that? So and what you were pretty much saying is that Wonder Woman needed a man, to lose a man to finally become who she was. Yeah, she, and, she and may not have needed uh, uh, 
uh, a man's help to do it, but she did need to lose said man. Exactly. So I know folks who had a problem with that. They were like, hold on a second. Why did she need that? Why did it have to be that? So you go back to Cameron again, you know, in, in all his his characters, you know, you look at Sarah Connor, you look at Ellen Ripley, you know, in the Alien movies. Well, what is the thing that motivated Ripley in Aliens? It wasn't um, love for a man or protecting a man. It was protecting a daughter. You know, the, the newt and throughout aliens, that was her motivator. You know, what was the, the, the motivator of, of, of Sarah Connor in, um, in, in the Terminator movies? It wasn't, again, falling in love with a man. Although in the first Terminator movie, she fell in love with Kyle Reese and gave birth to a son. But in the second movie, it was it was about the future. It was about family. It was about preserving the future. It wasn't so much that she had to lose something or, you know, her romantic interest to finally realize, you know, her fullest potential. So I can see where Cameron is coming from in that respect, where, you know, it was the whole, the way they handled Wonder Woman. And again, I am not saying this as an utter criticism of Wonder Woman. I'm not, I'm not saying it's terrible. I'm not saying it's wrong. It's its own take. But that's where you go, how you could see James Cameron having his issues with that particular take. Although yeah. I respect Patty Jenkins, who came out and also said, she said, this was our take on it. You know, this is the way we felt how Diana was and how Diana expresses herself. And this is the way it is. You know, I can see that side of it, too. So when one side yeah. comes out and says, you suck, James Cameron, you know, well, I, I, I think uh uh, you know, to to borrow an Elliotism, I think there were there were a lot of hot takes flying on this <laughs> that, that probably probably weren't warranted because you know James Cameron was very clear that he thought it was a good movie. He, he actually didn't have a problem with with Patty Jenkins or any of the performances in it. It, it was actually all of the all of the, uh, the the people talking about how oh you know this is this is such a, a watershed uh, you know moment you know, for, for women characters in film. And he goes, you know, his, his point is basically, no, there are, you know, A, there have been other women, you know, strong women uh, lead, lead characters. And there have been some that weren't quite so, uh, you know, quite so supernatural. Supernatural and, and yeah. unattainable. Yeah. Unless you're Steve Trevor. Oh, I'm sorry. Right. Unless you're Chris Pine. Man, Chris you know, Pines gets around. It, to, to me, that is the the biggest outrage of Wonder Woman is the fact that uh, uh, you know Steve Trevor, uh, Chris Pines' character in that movie, he seemed to exist only so that uh, Diana could uh, could reach her potential. You know, Chris Pine is so much more than a manic pixie dream guy. <laughs> Oh, boy. Now the hate mail is going to come. <laughs> well, boy. But can can we get some actors that aren't named Chris in there? I mean, yeah, you're Chris Pine, you're Chris Hemsworth, you know, uh, Captain America, uh, uh, Chris Evans. You know, I, 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 I think it's time for other other names, you know, someone other than Chris. We're going to retire Chris from now on. You know, uh, what's his face? Chris Pratt. Yeah, there really are a lot of Chris's. Yeah. And they're all, you know, they're all they're doing all the superhero and sci fi movies. Well, come on. Damn it. You know, you need I, OK, I, I'll say right now that we'll, we'll end it all here. You know, I will not only direct episode nine, I'll star in it, too. Mm -hmm.
preceding was a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Find our other great shows on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at radiomisfits.com.